0: The first reading is from the book of Acts and uh, it's a very familiar uh, text and uh, I'd like to see if you can re-engage with it today, think about it afresh, Uh. perhaps use your imagination a little bit as we read these very familiar words. Acts chapter 9, beginning reading at verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, And we'll pause there and think about that. (laughs) And Saul, yet breathing out threatening and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, that is, followers of Jesus, uh, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight." And Dananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, "Brother Saul, how generous, huh? Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost." And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. Now verse 20, a remarkable verse. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. This morning I'm going to bring a message for the occasion of our church anniversary. And I want to begin with a little exercise. Uh, If you have a pen, uh, I'd like you to write down somewhere on the order of worship the the three parts of the Christian life that you find the most difficult. Uh, The the three things that Jesus calls you to do that that you struggle with the most. And uh, if you don't have a pen, then see if you can come up with that list in your head. And I'll give you a moment to do that. Okay, the three parts of the Christian life that you find the most difficult. again if you can't find a pen or one's not readily at hand just see if you can come up with that list in your head ten more seconds five that's it, alright if you've only got one thing, that's cool now I'm not going to ask you to share that list but I can probably guess some of the things that are on it Uh. Maybe for some of you it's praying. Uh, you find it hard to have a consistent, meaningful prayer life. Or maybe it's loving others. Uh, there is someone in your life who you find very difficult to love. Uh, and don't look sideways at your spouse. <laughs> but you know that's what Jesus wants you to do. You, uh, you have to love that person. Uh, perhaps being patient is on your list. I think that's something we all struggle with to a certain degree, or uh, maybe it's sharing the gospel, or maybe it's fighting against some besetting sin. It's just some sin in your life and it's a great, great struggle to resist temptation. Or maybe regularly coming to church is something that you find difficult to do. At the top of my list is something that kind of covers everything. Uh, For me, The most difficult part of the Christian life is persevering. That is continuing to live the way that Jesus wants me to live. Continuing to be obedient to his word. Continuing to fulfil the responsibilities that he has entrusted me with. Uh, Like me, uh, you probably find it easy to persevere in some areas. Ah, There are some parts of your life where you have very little trouble consistently doing what Jesus wants you to do. But then there are other areas where it's a a real struggle. And there are certain responsibilities that you have where you find it very difficult to be faithful. You find yourself frequently hitting up against that feeling of, I don't want to do this. (laughs) Maybe you felt that this week. I don't want to do this. (laughs) I'd rather do something else. But I know... It's the right thing to do. Perseverance is an essential part of the Christian life. We have to stick at it if we're going to grow, if we're going to experience the blessings of God, and if we're going to have any kind of witness to the world. And the Bible has a lot to say about this subject and we'll look at a text in a moment but let's just take some of the metaphors used to describe the Christian life in the New Testament. It's likened to running a race, to fighting a battle, to planting a garden, to building a house and to serving a master. These all require sustained attention, sustained effort over an extended period of time. The athlete has to keep running if she's going to finish the race. If Ashley Barty's going to win the Australian Open, she can't quit after the first set. The soldier has to keep fighting if he's going to win the battle. The gardener has to keep tending to her plants if she wants to see fruit. I know we have some keen gardeners here. You have to stick at it. If the builder gives up halfway through the project, well there is no house. And the servant, well, the servant is always at his master's disposal. Today is our 12th church anniversary. And above all, this milestone represents the reality that the Lord Jesus Christ has persevered with us. (laughs) He has been faithful to us. Uh, He has brought us together into this fellowship and kept us together despite our weaknesses and our failings. And he has sustained us and been patient with us. Our anniversary also represents the fact that a group of people have persevered. Now this is not to take any of the credit or the glory away from the Lord Jesus. It's just a fact. Uh, To get down to the nitty gritty... That we have existed as a local church for 12 years means that there were times when someone didn't want to come down on a Saturday evening and set up the hall, but they did. They persevered in fulfilling that responsibility. Someone didn't want to prepare a Sunday school lesson, but they did. Someone didn't want to turn up to a Sunday morning service or a Sunday evening service. They were tired or cranky or really wanted to do something else, but nevertheless they turned up. They came to worship the Lord and to contribute to the fellowship. That we've existed as a local church for 12 years means that there were occasions when someone didn't want to be kind to someone else, or patient, or encouraging, but they were. Ah, There have probably been times when some of you didn't want to be part of this church anymore. Uh, someone upset you. I upset you. <laughs> or you, you just weren't feeling it anymore. But you said, no, I believe that this is where the Lord wants me. I thank you for your perseverance. And today would be a good day for you to thank others for their perseverance, especially those who aren't up the front in the pulpit. There, there is a whole team of people who have been faithful year after year after year. Our deacons, our musicians, our set-up team, those who provide the morning tea, those who volunteer in Sunday school and blast and crèche. It would be good to thank that person in our church family who has been a friend to you, who has stuck by you and encouraged you. Now the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We all reap when we come to church on the Lord's Day. We reap when we meet together during the week. We reap when we are encouraged by our fellowship. We enjoy the fruit of men and women who have not been weary in well-doing. Uh, if they had been erratic in their commitment, if they'd given up when that's what they felt like doing, then we wouldn't be together today. Our anniversary bears witness to the perseverance of a group of people. It bears witness to their commitment, to their faithfulness in doing what Christ calls them to do. And the question that I want to answer this morning is this, how are we going to continue to persevere? How are we going to stick at it for another 12 years if the Lord tarries? Because it's not going to be easy. (laughs) There will be days when we don't feel like it. There may be weeks, even months, where for whatever reason it seems especially difficult to turn up to church on Sunday, uh, to fulfil our ministry, to show love to others. We're going to be sorely tempted to loosen our commitment, to to find excuses not to show up, not to contribute, not to care for others. The The keys to persevering in the Christian life are given to us in many places in the New Testament. There are a number of texts we could look at this morning that address this theme, but I've chosen just one verse from the fourth chapter of Paul's second letter to the Corinthians to focus on today. But I'm going to read the whole chapter because it is such a wonderful portion of Scripture. So let's go to that second reading, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, please follow along as I read aloud. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, And ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What a verse. That we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed, But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I realise that was a long introduction. Maybe you're feeling a bit nervous. (laughs) And I realise that was a long reading. But don't worry, this is actually going to be a fairly short sermon. The verse that I've taken for our text this morning is verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy... We faint not. The first thing we have to recognise about persevering in the Christian life and in our life together as a local church is that it is the outworking of something going on inside of us. It's a matter of the heart. Paul says as much in verse 16 where he talks about the outer man perishing but the inner man being renewed day by day. Obviously there are circumstances where we might be limited by our body. We, we can't physically do certain things. We're unable to participate or contribute in certain ways. Okay, The body breaks down. Some of you know that all too well. The body wears out. I understand that. But even then, the Christian life still involves perseverance. There are still things that we have to stick at. And whether we do comes back to what's going on in our hearts. In our text, Paul says to the Christians at Corinth that he and his co laborers don't faint. They don't give up, they don't quit, they keep going. They continue to fulfill their ministry despite the great difficulties they had experienced and would continue to face. Now, to give you a fuller sense of what Paul is saying here, listen to how the Greek word translated faint is used elsewhere in the New Testament. It occurs only six times. Twice in this chapter, here in our text, in verse 1, as well as down in verse 16, for which cause we faint not. There it is, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Then we find it in four other places. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, And he, that's Jesus, spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. That was the lesson of the parable. Jesus wanted his hearers to persist in praying, not give up. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, which I quoted earlier, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Our word is found in the first part of the verse. And let us not be weary. Uh, in other words, let's not fade out <laughs> and give up. But stick at it. Persist in well-doing. Ephesians chapter three verse thirteen Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. And then Second Thessalonians chapter three verse thirteen, but ye, brethren, be not weary in well doing. Again, don't quit. Keep on doing the right thing. Clearly the idea in our verse is that of perseverance. Uh, one translation renders it this way. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Oh, we, we don't collapse in a heap. <laughs> have you ever collapsed in a heap? <laughs> uh, we don't throw our hands up in the air and walk away. We don't give up when the going gets tough. Nor do we embrace underhanded methods that might be a lot easier. That's what Paul goes on to say in the next verse. We have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, not handling the word of God deceitfully. Now we know from the account of Paul's ministry that we have in the book of Acts, and from the testimony of his letters, that this was not an idle boast. Uh, This was not Paul saying something that his life didn't really bear out. It wasn't the case that Paul was saying, we don't quit, and yet his ministry was was littered with examples of quitting. (laughs) I'm sure we've all come across people who made a claim about their ministry or their commitment to the Christian life or their giftedness, and we knew them well enough to have some serious doubts. That was not so for the Apostle Paul. When he said, we faint not, that was manifestly true. And in our verse, he tells us how this was true. How it was that he didn't faint. How it was that he persevered. This wasn't the only reason. He gives more in this chapter. But what Paul says in verse 1 was essential. It was essential to his enduring faithfulness. And it is essential to ours. Look please again at the text. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Notice how Paul connects his ministry, his calling, his responsibilities as an apostle with God's mercy. And what he was saying in context is that he wasn't self-appointed. Hey, he didn't set out to preach the gospel and plant churches of his own accord. Uh, his ministry wasn't ego-driven. It wasn't Paul building his own brand, you know, trying to amass followers on social media. No, no. He had his ministry according to the mercy of God. It was, in fact, an act of God's grace that he got to do what he was doing. That he got to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, reading Paul's letters, it seems that this was never far from his thoughts. God's mercy to him. Paul was completely enamoured with the gospel. I mean, it's Paul who gives us those beautiful expositions of salvation in the opening chapters of his letters. It's Paul who gives us those grace-saturated prayers. I can imagine Paul, wherever he happened to be, quietly sitting in a corner, smiling and thinking to himself, how cool is this? <laughs> Me, Saul of Tarsus, I get to be an apostle. I get to represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He saved me. He gave me this job. Wow! Now this sentiment comes through very clearly in a couple of places. Uh, listen to Paul's testimony in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 8 to 10. I'm sure these are familiar words. Paul says, And last of all he, that's the resurrected Christ, was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am. And so what have I done? Well, says Paul, his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I laboured more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. He was so gracious to me, and so I've worked hard. I've persevered in fulfilling my apostolic ministry. Now listen to Paul speak in 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 to 14. In verse 11, he refers to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which had been committed to his trust. And then he says... And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for he hath counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Who would have imagined that? It was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. that Paul had a ministry was a testament to God's mercy. That he got to be involved in proclaiming the gospel and planting churches was because God had been so gracious and so kind. I mean, The Lord Jesus would have been well justified in allowing Paul to arrive at Damascus to continue on his wicked crusade and heap up yet more condemnation upon his head. But he didn't do that. He intervened in Paul's life. We read the account of that in Acts chapter 9. He saved him. He turned him right round. And he made him his apostle to the nations. I love how one author puts it. He says, Paul, an untamable tiger, met the lion of the tribe of Judah at the Damascus off-ramp. He renounced persecuting the church to become a major player in the drama of world Evangelization. This is what Paul is talking about in our verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, seeing we have received this ministry as we have received mercy. This was the mercy. His salvation. Being given a ministry. And what did this do for Paul? How did it affect him? What does the rest of the verse say? We faint not. We don't give up. We keep going. We press on. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Paul persevered because he understood that his ministry was a gift of God's mercy. I'll say it again. Paul persevered because he understood that his ministry... It was a gift of God's mercy. He understood that his whole Christian life was a gift of God's mercy. And when we recognise this, it will fuel our perseverance. Brothers and sisters, let let me remind you on the occasion of our anniversary that being a Christian is a gift. Being part of the body of Christ, the church, is a gift. God has been so merciful and so gracious to us. All of our sins were before His eyes. The ones that we're embarrassed about. The ones that we're glad nobody knows about. He saw them all. It's a frightening thought. We were naked and exposed before Him, the righteous judge of all the earth, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and yet He brought us to new life. He forgave our sins. He washed us clean with his own precious blood and united us to himself. Just like Saul was on the road to Damascus, we were on the road to everlasting judgment. Our final destination was death and hell, but Jesus intervened and saved us and turned us right round. How amazing is it that he, the all-powerful, all-glorious, majestic Lord of the universe saved us and then entrusted us with building up his body. How amazing is it that he committed his greatest project to us calling out a people for his own name from every nation, kindred and tongue and preparing them to live with him forever. (laughs) It's remarkable that he has given that responsibility to us. We are so weak and limited and fallible and yet he has given us this great purpose. This is what we're part of. This is what the Christian life is about. This is what our church is about, fulfilling the mission of Jesus in this world. And this is what ministry is, even the most mundane aspects of it. It's really not mundane at all, it's glorious. mercy that we belong to Jesus and to his everlasting kingdom. What mercy that we have been given a role to play. It's pretty awesome. And recognising this and remembering this makes all the difference. Now when I'm struggling to fulfil my responsibilities When I feel like quitting or not doing my best, I have to remind myself of what Jesus has done for me and of what I get to do for him. I have to remind myself of how awesome it is to be a Christian, to be saved. I have to remind myself of how awesome it is to be a pastor, a shepherd of God's people. I have to remind myself of how amazing it is that I get to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ week after week. Believe me, that's pretty cool. And when I remember that, when I reflect on the mercy that I have received, the motivation tank is filled up. I find that I can persevere. Like Paul, I don't faint. And this is true for all of us, whatever our responsibilities might be, however we minister to others in the family of God. Remembering the mercy of God, dwelling upon the mercy of God is the key to persevering this week, this month, this year and until Christ calls us home. It is a privilege to be a Christian. It really is. It is a privilege to be part of the body of Christ. It is a privilege to be able to serve Jesus, to contribute, to be able to build up the kingdom of God by being committed to a local assembly of God's people and by loving one another, even in the smallest ways, the ways that rarely get noticed. If we remind ourselves of this, if we remember what we have received, We will do what I'm sure we all want to do. By His grace, we will persevere. Amen.